The Chicago Bears lose 7-17 against the Los Angeles Rams in a game that leaves almost everything in doubt. I bring on Windy City Gridiron's own Jeff Burkus from Bears Over Beers to digest this game on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears-focused podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, on this, the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. Now, I've got a long interview with Jeff Burkus here for you today, so I'm going to jump straight into it, but I do want to let you know beforehand that there are a couple of technical moments, especially in my own audio cut, that I've done my best to iron out. I think I've done a decent job with it, and Jeff certainly brings the knowledge, so let's jump straight into the interview and bring Jeff on. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for jumping in, Jeff. Uh, we've got Jeff Burkus here with us today from Windy City Gridiron's own Bears Over Beers. And following this Rams game, we have got quite the couple of stories to talk about. I am living right now. As somebody who has been on the record as supporting Matt Nagy a lot, this game, very weird game that felt like the Bears seemed to be getting all the breaks, all things told, whether it was the right call that went in their favor uh, or, you know, generally in terms of refereeing uh, things, they had a touchdown taken off the board. They uh, had a third and down sack that turned into a Bears first down. The Bears got way more opportunities than plenty would say they deserved, but still that didn't stop them from losing a 7-17 to game that they had to win to keep any hope of a season alive. Wow. So without going any further, Jeff, how are you doing this evening? Well, I'm tired. I'm tired physically. (laughs) I'm tired emotionally. I'm tired of this Bears team. I'm tired of watching bad football. It's, uh, you know, it's 1020, and uh, the Bears season is officially over on 11-17, which is much earlier than I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, I think tired kind of sums it up. I think tired is a great word for it. It's it's really disappointing that two years ago we were watching John Fox lead a team that we all knew going into it wasn't going to be playing meaningful December football. And when Matt Nagy was hired, we said to ourselves, okay, this is it. For a while now, at, ho- at least we hope that the Bears will play meaningful December football. And after one special year, after one year that still to this day feels as if the double doink derailed destiny, we are back to playing no meaningful December football. Wow, what a difference a year makes. Well, Jeff, what were your general game impressions? Well, just before I get into that, it does seem interesting that it dies in the Coliseum, which was where the Bears would have gone had the double dunk gone through. And we think that we matched up pretty well against the Rams last year and would have been fun to go into the Coliseum and play them in the divisional championship game. So, um, yeah, that's uh, poetic. It's the NFL. It is what it is. Uh, Impressions from this game. You know, I I thought the defense played pretty well. I, I actually you know, kind of threw something across the room when they did not cover that cup fumble that Buster Screen uh, created, which was a, a great play by Buster Screen. Ball was sitting there on the ground for for a second, and uh, Bears just weren't able to fall on it. And I don't know who from the Rams got it, but Bears weren't able to get it. And so uh, I just felt like 
you fall on that ball, you at least are in field goal range already. Uh, you could have tied the game. Hopefully, you could have gone up. And it just felt like when that didn't happen, Hecker came on the field and boomed like a 9,000-yard punt and put us inside the 20. It was like, well, we're not going anywhere from here. And I think that's kind of that's kind of going back to like old school Bears football where you feel more comfortable with the defense on the field. You feel like the defense has a chance to score more than the offense. And, you know, Kyle Fuller let one slip through his hands today. Uh, you know, he lost his feet, so it's not like he would have taken that back, but that would have been a nice one to have. And that one right there would have been points or at least an opportunity for points right there. So it's, it's it goes back to old school Bears football where – you, you, you like watching the defense play and then you just cringe every time the offense steps on the field. And none of us expected that to happen this year. We at least expected similar results on offense than what we had last year. But this, this team has just absolutely fallen apart on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, this team's I I'll even go one further. This team is just absolutely falling apart. I mean, one thing that was hard to watch. Um, so I'm going to say something that to some might sound a bit like a hot take, but I really believe it. This Bears defense has been good this year, but they haven't been great. And what hurt to watch, because this is not about that. This is not me about to say that the defense was somehow at fault for this game. They weren't. It's obviously the offense. But like you're saying, Jeff, a great defense. Heck, you could even go back and say the 2018 Bears defense probably recovers that fumble. Or they might pick that uh, pass off with Kyle Fuller. Now, because it's Kyle Fuller and obviously his his highest profile interceptions, if you will, are some of the interceptions he doesn't catch going back to 2018's week one uh, Green Bay drop or... I think he had another recent high-profile one. This one comes to mind, too, because that could have been six had he not uh, lost his feet, but it didn't happen. I mean, the Bears' defense played well, and they gave up a couple of really big plays here and there, and they were getting gashed in the run or against the run early, and then they fixed it up, and as soon as they did, gosh, it didn't look like McVay and the Rams had any answer at all. But wow, it has been almost comical just how bad 10 games of this 2019 Bears offense has been to watch I mean it starts out being sad and then it almost becomes funny and I know that that's a little wild maybe maybe a bit too off the cuff but after watching a game like that in which the Bears offense put up seven points they started hot and truly only got worse as the game went on. Not to mention, Jeff, the fact that I I would even say that especially starting out in that first half at the minimum, Mitch Trubisky was anything but the problem. Yeah, he missed a couple of throws here and there, but the wide receivers in this game didn't help Mitch out at all. And that was like the one position we weren't really worried about so far. I mean, this... This Bears team was a disappointment in every sense of the word this year. And I, I really feel like this game, 7-17, to a game that it wasn't actually close. Not really. Technically, the score, uh, the score says what it felt like, which is that the Rams made a couple of big plays, Goff made a couple of big throws, and the Bears just had no answer from that. And it leaves you here at what it, you said it was 10-20, now it's 10-28, kind of just feeling like, you knew what you were going to watch before you jumped into it. The defense didn't end up scoring. And when the defense didn't score, you knew what the result was going to be. Am I the only one that feels that way? Oh, uh, no, I think that you're right. I want to catch a couple things that you talked about. And I actually want to catch them. Unlike the Bears receivers. Um, Bears <laughs> came into this one 
leading the league in drops. They had dropped 15 balls coming into this game. At least that was the that's the official credited statistic. Tied for first in the league. They added to that tonight. I assume that they're comfortably in the lead at this point. So it has been a it's been a problem all year. Uh, even Allen Robinson, who I think has been playing at a pro bowl level, he has contributed to the drops problem. You know, Gabriel's had his drops. Cohen's had his drops. I mean, it's 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 widespread. Obviously, Miller. Eh, we'll get to that in a second, I'm sure. Um, you know, you said Mitch. Mitch had some problems, but he wasn't the the, the problem. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I think that the bar that Mitchell Trubisky has set has been so low that I think we're seeing a lot of people saying, "Hey, Mitch wasn't the problem tonight." No, Mitch wasn't as bad as he's been in the past but he still wasn't playing at a high level. He was playing at a level that you might expect, yeah, maybe we can squeeze one out here if everybody steps up and picks him up around him. But he was still, he was throwing back shoulder throws when his wide receivers or running backs were two steps ahead of his defenders. Uh, He was um, still taking bad sacks. He was making bad decisions all along the way. So I don't know that I can necessarily agree that Mitch wasn't the problem. He just had a lot of company in being bad at football tonight. I guess that's a good way to put it. In plenty of these games, Jeff, uh, it's felt as if Mitch Trubisky is the clear-cut issue. And in right. this game, especially to start it out, it felt as if he at least had other people helping him out uh, in, ter- in terms of holding the Bears back. I know that there are plenty of throws that I could talk about, and some of these are nitpicky and some of them are not. Uh, that throw to Miller, I need to see it again. And we could talk about Anthony Miller. We probably will, like you said. But there was the long throw to Miller that at first glance looked like a deeper throw probably gets to him. There was the throw to Ben Broniker that a it probably sailed a little bit on Trubisky. It seemed as if Broniker had a nice pocket there. Uh, there was the throw to Miller that, I mean, look, here's the thing. The, we're talking for the record about the Miller throw that got intercepted. That was either a bad route by Miller where he ran a hook and it should have been an outbreaking curl, or it was a nasty throw. And honestly, either is believable because that's just how this Bears season's been. Uh, like you're talking about, Trubisky missed opportunities. You know I can't stand the sacks that he takes. Not to mention, as a former offensive lineman, I'm sure you can't stand the sacks that he takes. I know plenty of Bears fans on Twitter got after me for saying that Mitch needs to throw that ball away on third and six, and I really believe it. There at the end of the first half, uh, when he, he extends the play, and that was good. Step in the right direction. Checks downfield. None of the receivers are running anymore, which in and of itself, massive coaching red flag, exactly what this Bears season has been. At that point, I would have loved to see Trubisky ditch the ball so that Nagy and the Bears could potentially go for it. But he didn't. He took the sack. It's not like a horrible, ghastly play. But if you're like me, Jeff, at this point, there are plenty of plays that if uh, let's let's pick somebody, Patrick Mahomes, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't make the play and maybe he could have. You look back and you say, ah, well, you can't make a ball. But with Trubisky, I feel like we have, we have lost the ability to give him the benefit of doubt. And the mistakes are now mistakes. And it's not just, hey, you know, he'll get better or he'll get the next one. Because it feels as if the plays that he makes are frankly fewer and further in between than the plays that he doesn't. And when you're saying that about your quarterback, you're probably not going to go anywhere. And that just really sucks, given what Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and the entirety of the Bears organization effectively bet on him coming into this 2019 season. 
Yeah, I think we take that that long throw that was an incomplete pass to Miller to start with that one, right? So from my view, Miller flashes open, and Mitch puts a okay ball in the air. You see, you see Miller reaching backwards towards it, which meant that he was not in full stride. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't hitting him with a perfect ball. Okay, so it's an average throw because it was on target. To, to an extent, Miller would have been able to have a chance of catching it had the Rams defender not made a nice play on it. A good throw gives you a completion. A great throw gives you a touchdown, right? So that's where right. you're at, is that you you see it. You see the wide-open receiver. He's, Mitch sees this one, which he doesn't always see. He puts a ball, he puts an okay ball on it, but it gets defended, right? So that's the difference between playing good quarterback at the NFL level and just kind of slinging the ball a little bit around the yard. So that that's not good. I think that that out the the one the let's talk about the Miller play where he pushes off, turns around, gets his right hand on the ball, tips it up in the air and the Rams defender catches it. Miller gets into a little bit of a jawing match, does something with his hands which I have no idea what he was doing. But I have to think that if nothing else, that was not a good play from Miller because he's spending so much time pushing off on that route. First of all, it's a penalty, but secondly, he's he's spending so much time worried about what the corner's doing and not just trying to get out of his route. And so he sees the ball late, stabs at it, tips the ball up. He's got to know not to be able to do that too. So um, I don't know. That's kind of probably a 50-50 on me. It's probably not a well-placed ball, but it's also not very good on Miller's part on that one. I think that's a great way to put it. 50-50 feels like the best way to talk about that specific play because it's impossible to know. Uh, I know that my personal philosophy on talking about or critiquing these sorts of plays, and let's tie this into a different ball. I'm sure you remember it, Jeff, the Taylor Gabriel deep ball where Taylor Gabriel did not run a go. But Trubisky sure threw him a go. I think that was in the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter. But in those sorts of plays, I have to default to the quarterback. But normally, I trust the quarterback with the playbook a little bit more than Trubisky. We can get into that another time. Uh, There's just a a few too many reports surrounding that. With the Miller thing, man, I don't know what to think. Miller's a playmaker. He's shown that. Uh, not only through the 2018 season, but in flashes in the 2019 season. But this was a nasty play on his part, or at least what he did. Because like you said, he committed a penalty. I mean, there's there's not a good way to package the part where he obviously involved the offensive pass interference into the equation. But then either he ran the wrong route or Trubisky placed the ball. What One thing that I've seen a little bit throughout the season, curious to hear what you think about this, but... Mitchell Trubisky will have these moments where he is flat out inaccurate and he'll have other moments where he seems to actually try to help his receiver out and make a let's call it a 202 play that the receiver isn't expecting him to even attempt a decent example of this is there is a play that Taylor Gabriel early in the fourth quarter uh, maybe middle of the fourth fourth quarter Mitch Trubisky laid a ball out in front of Taylor Gabriel while Gabriel was just standing on a quick out route And I didn't get the impression that Gabriel was actually ready for Mitchell Trubisky to try to throw him 
into a position to catch and run. But Gabriel stood there and he ended up reaching out for a ball that had he just slid to his left and caught as he moved, he probably could have picked up more yardage. But Trubisky hasn't generally thrown those. It's as if the benefit of the doubt, not only from the fans, but also the receivers is gone with Trubisky. And this is another example of that. Because when Miller breaks, if he breaks and then sees the ball like you're talking about, he breaks earlier, sees the ball, and then catches it running out, he has a chance to beat his corner and maybe turn that into a couple extra yards. But instead, like you said, he just stabs at it. He tips the ball up. I have to think that gets coached out of these guys at some point, and it turns into an interception. And then he seems to celebrate it after the flag gets thrown, which was very weird. Um, I think he must have been excited thinking that somehow a flag got called on his man, and I understand the enthusiasm, but that is a bad, bad look for a receiver that has been criticized for – He's been everything from criticized for not knowing the playbook to clearly making some critical drops in the Raiders game, as well as the, uh, I think he dropped one in the Vikings game too. Now he might've just gotten missed, but point is Anthony Miller has had a, to call it an up and down year is almost not fair to the downs, but it's, it just factors into what's been this entire Bears season so far. Yeah. Miller is having a sophomore slump for sure. That's uh, that's that's a nice, like a kind way to put it. Uh, <laughs> it was nice to see Javon Wims get a little action. I'd like mm-hmm. to see a little bit more from him. You know, Taylor Gabriel needs to make a few more plays. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give Robinson a pass because he's been the the guy that's been the best uh, highlight of this receiving core all year. But uh, you know what? One catch from tight ends tonight. I think one catch from Broniker. Uh, there was that play that I think Mitch probably could have fit in uh, that little cover two beater, uh, but wasn't a very good throw. Um, that's it, man. You're just not getting anything from the tight ends. Uh, probably need to see a little bit more from Cohen on as many targets as he got. Uh, had to get one nice pass to to Montgomery, if I remember correctly, early in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he spread the ball around, uh, but. You know, no one's standing out as having a particularly good game with <laughs> with only seven points on the board. Ugh. And let's talk about something that I think you could probably give a little bit more insight at compared to what I could do, uh, Jeff, which is the run game. Because if there was one thing that felt almost feudalistic about this game plan, weirdly enough, it was that Matt Nagy was consistent about sticking to the run and it didn't seem to get anything early in the game and i understand it started turning into three four sometimes even a rare five yard gain there in the second half but especially in that first half it seemed as if the rams defense was geared up to stop the bears from trying to run the ball at all and they did so successfully and our offensive line has not played particularly well in the run game. I know that I, for one, have been critical of Matt Nagy's run scheme, but this these calls seemed at first glance, and worth remembering that I'm not fast enough at watching these plays to pick up on the nuance of the what the offensive line is trying to do on a play-to-play basis on first watch, but it seemed as if a lot more of these run calls were very old-school, like, get up, beat your guy, sometimes combo block, move on to the next one. Let's go make a running hole. And the offensive line didn't do it, to say the least. It seemed as if uh, David Montgomery may have been slow to start. Certainly, I know Ryan Nall got a couple of snaps in early. But what did you see out of the run game tonight? Uh, Where do you levy the blame, if at all? 
Well, let's see. You've got Tariq Cohen, nine carries, 39 yards. Uh, that's actually not terrible. Uh, Dave Montgomery, 14 carries, 31 yards. That is terrible. Uh, that's it. Trubisky is credited with one rush for four yards. So uh, I think you're seeing a lot of Dave Montgomery just kind of running up to the line and smashing into the back of his offensive lineman because there was no holes created. Uh, I think it's like you, it's very difficult to pick up offensive line play in real time. You need to go back and watch uh, repeatedly to really break down a run game and, and see, see what's going on. But uh, a couple things. One, the Rams are really good at stopping the run. They're ranked fourth in the league in defensive DVOA against the run. means that they're very good at it. Uh, the Bears are not particularly good at running the ball. Losing Kyle Long, and I know Kyle Long was playing as a shell of himself this year, but losing the good Kyle Long has really impacted this run game because he was kind of the heart and soul of that nastiness that you need to be able to move the line. Now, Aaron Donald versus Rashad, Rashad, uh, however you say his name, Rashad Coward, um, is not a good matchup. It's not a good matchup in pass protection. It's not a good matchup in the run game. Uh, Daniels got whipped a few times. That, that just absolutely whipped by by Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's uh, the best defensive player in the league. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll continue to say that. Uh, Cody Whitehair, um, not good at snapping the football. And when you're running out of shotgun, that timing matters, right? So there's a lot of that. I, I'm going to blame a lot of the interior offensive line for the struggles of trying to run the ball because they're just not as good as the Rams defenders. And I think it sometimes it just comes down to that, is that you play a team that's just flat out more skilled than you, and they ate your lunch. It, it does shock me when it comes to watching these guys. So you just mentioned the statistics. Sounds like roughly 23 carries and about, what, 70-ish, 80-ish yards to show for it, which is, you know, not what you're looking for. Um, what shocks me when I hear that is it looks like how it sounds, which is that this Bears running uh, running attack ends up with a whole bunch of carries and almost nothing to show for it. Like, I know that Tariq Cohen picked up, what do you think, about 12, 15 of those yards off of one carry. Uh, so if, if, of course, you take that away from his numbers, they start to look a little bit more like Montgomery's because I don't think Montgomery's a bad back. In the limited action that we've seen, David Montgomery does not look like a back that is averaging, what is this, like a, a three and a half, maybe less yards per carry this season. And that's not to say that it's all on the offensive line, but you'd like to see things, you know, improve a little bit. It has been a bit surprise. It's, it's been the most unsurprising surprise, I would say, of this Bears season, that when we saw Cody Whitehair move back to center, we saw the snapping issues reemerge. Um, that's been a bummer to say the least and certainly it hasn't been good that the running game has been as bad as it is with Mitch Trubisky struggling as much as he has this year it's been a perfect storm all season I mean you can make the argument at this point that the Bears can't pass the ball because the quarterback's not reading the field and when he does read the field he's not consistent about placing the ball where he needs to be and then of course that would push you towards running the ball but you can't really run the ball because the Bears offensive line hasn't performed at the level that you would expect them to I'm with you At some point, you have to honor the fact that the opposing team's defense is really good at taking the run away. And so you tip your hat. You say, you guys did a good job with it. But at the same time, this Bears running attack looked a lot like more of the same 
that we have seen all season. And that was just disheartening to see at the least. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to the Eagles game, right? Where the Eagles have a really good run defense, but their pass defense is terrible, but the Bears couldn't take advantage of it. So, you know, you, you want to believe that Matt Nagy can games, uh, you know, scheme up a, a good game plan, but, you know, geez, I'm looking at this right now. The Philly game, Matt Montgomery had 14 carries for 40 yards. He had two touchdowns, which, okay, but he, he only had 40 yards on 14 attempts. I mean... Those are teams that are well known to be good at run defense and the bears are just not good at running the ball. And so when you have those two things combined, it's not going to be good, but you know, particularly with the, with the Eagles and and a little less so with the Rams, they're not as good against the pass. And so you have to have a quarterback that can take advantage of that. And Mm -hmm. clearly they, the bears do not right now. And it hurts especially because then almost any team that we play, the Rams certainly tonight had a couple of these where they do the same thing. I mean, they take a shotgun snap, they hand the ball off. Sometimes it's under center, sometimes it's from the shotgun. Hand it off to their running back who runs it up the middle. And lo and behold, Jeff, the guy picks up 10, 12 yards. I mean, these up-the-middle runs aren't always one-yard gains by design. Sometimes they're able to actually pick up yardage. And I know that this is going to sound uh, I mean, to anybody listening who's listening to me consistently. I know I'm already sounding a lot more facetious than usual, but goodness. I mean, this really felt like the nail in the coffin to me anyways, Jeff, where you look and you say, well, we can't run the ball and we can't pass the ball. And this is the same team that just went 12 and four last year. And I understand like what a difference a year makes, but I struggle to say that all of these players are super untalented and you have to ask at what point does it fall on a coach that has been under fire this season to say the least. What do you think? Well, I think the defense has taken a step back. Uh, not Has it helped? They're good, not great. I think that was a good way to put it. They're still a top five unit, but they're not the number one running away with a unit, right? That the, you know, the Patriots and, and the Niners right now are kind of out in front. And um, yeah, the Patriots had a great game today against the Eagles and the, the you know, the, the, Niners, the Niners won late. They, they came back and won, and, and I think they scored a late defensive touchdown, but, you know, they gave up some some points to Kyler Murray. But anyway, my, my point is like, this is a good defense. You can definitely win a lot of games with this defense if you had a if you had an average offense. But the Bears are have a low twenties offense at this point. You know their 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 offense is going to be 29th, maybe thirtieth in the NFL, and it's and maybe worse. Honestly, it, it could be it could be dead last if not for Darnold missing a few games with mono and for the the Dolphins tanking. I mean, the, we could be talking about the worst defense in the league. So so it starts there in in terms of. I was going somewhere with the defense taking a step back because they're not absolutely shutting people down and teeing off on teams, right? And so that is putting at least a little bit of pressure on the offense to do something. And I think that there's a couple ways you can think of this. And I know Nagy's taking a lot of heat, and maybe it is really so. I feel a little less Mm -hmm. inclined to give too much to Nagy because I do think he's still scheming receivers open. I think he can Mm -hmm. use help designing a run game. And I think that that needs to happen in the off season. I think he needs to bring in a running game coordinator. And I think he needs to, you know, we need to see Alex Barr step up into that guard position. We need to see 
probably some more talent on the offensive line, but we do just need to see a recommitment to how this run game is designed. But I think that Nagy has honestly just been coaching uh, or play calling, I should say, frustrated in a way because he knows that these plays that he's calling are working, but they're not being executed correctly. They're not being executed well. And I, so I think that he's he continues to call plays that he knows will work, but they're not working because they're not being executed, if that makes any sense. And so I do think it does come back, in my opinion, my read of it is that it comes back to the quarterback and that if mm-hmm. we had a, you know, a average starter, you know, 15th best starter in the league that can that can read a defense that can go one, two, three looks on his on his reads that we would be able to see an offense that scores, you know, uh, uh, f- certainly enough points to win a game where the Bears defense is holding the Rams offense to 17, right? They're going to he could get that this offense into the 20s. And so I think he's coaching frustrated. He's play, play calling frustrated a little bit. He's going to learn a lot from this year. But he is keeping this team in most games. Uh this defense is keeping them in most games, I should say. But he's I think he's just coaching frustrated. I think that's, now, what, that's my big opinion. I hear you. And now I want to throw something back at you because I do think that Bears fans in this in talking about making the argument, uh, because obviously, as I'm sure you've heard, this has been a chicken or egg season as Bears fans try to deduce, is it Trubisky or is it Nagy? That's the problem. And in that, I think people will talk about Nagy as if his only job is the part where he coordinates the offense. And I hear you. I mean, that's all anybody wants to talk about. They want to talk about head coach as if it's just a play caller. And interestingly enough, I actually think that, like you said, Matt Nagy's offensive coordination hasn't been bad. In plenty of cases, actually, I think it's been pretty good. And that execution's been a huge problem. Now, at some point, though, here, 10 games into the season, it is really starting to grind my gears that the Bears seem to take penalties at the wrong time, that their players seem to not know what's going on, that they, or that we're seeing the poor execution that we are. And then, of course, you will get the, uh, the read-like timeout mismanagement and clock issues that have plagued uh, even Andy Reid in years past. But there's one decision that really stuck out to me today. And plenty of people will talk about, like, like I'm sure you would agree with, um, or maybe you would. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. There are some calls that Matt Nagy makes on third and short that are really weird, uh, to say the least. That pass play that went absolutely nowhere there at the end of the game, that looked really bad. But it's hard to tell, to just go along with your point, it's hard to tell at first glance, especially when they didn't show a replay, whether that was a bad play call or horrific quarterbacking execution. You just don't really know. But it's that decision there at the end of the game. This, this to me, makes me uh, feel as if I've almost got a read on Nagy, uh, in, at least in this game. It feels as if he will make the right decision at the wrong time in some cases. I didn't hate the idea that he benched Mitch Trubisky because now let's be clear. We don't know if Mitch was hurt or not. I have not listened to any press conferences. I know you haven't either uh, because we started immediately. And while I understand that the folks on the, uh, in the commentators booth were saying, Mitch is hurt, Mitch is hurt, Mitch is hurt. Uh, He's got a hip injury of some kind. I'm, I'm not sure I believe it. And if he did just bench Trubisky again, I don't hate the idea of moving away from Trubisky. I do hate 
the idea of moving away from him in the middle of a game that just ended with that Rams touchdown. I don't love that move at all. I find that uh, the kind of move that fractures a locker room. Uh, and that has been, you know, fracturing a locker room, something that I've tried to keep a pulse on. But gosh, I just, I cannot imagine what's going on in that locker room. But when you've got a team that's got players like Miller throwing up signs after a bad play, you've got, uh, you got Cordero Patterson taking his helmet off in the middle of a play. You have wide receivers that on that scramble drill play didn't bother to participate from everything that we can tell it for, again, first blush. There's a point where if this was any other coach, I'd be saying this is a problem. And with Matt Nagy, I'm saying, but he's got receivers running open. And I'm willing to say at this point, Jeff, and again, I want to hear what you think. I don't know, or I don't think I've got an issue with Matt Nagy as an offensive coordinator. But as a head coach, I'm really starting to ask questions. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it more. I don't have a, a quick reaction for you. I think that the Bears only had a couple penalties tonight. Uh, it's not like they True. were, you know, super penalized. Uh, I, I have been frustrated with some of the, the mental penalties that have come. I, you know, I, you know, back when, back when I played back in my day, you know, when, <laughs> um, it, it, I had a coach that would always say, if you're going to make a mistake, make it, make it hard, make it hundred percent. Right. And I, I feel like if you get beat and you make a penalty, you know, every once in a while you'll see a corner that gets beat and he'll, uh, you know, he'll, he'll commit pass interference to prevent a touchdown. Those are good penalties, right? Uh, there's bad penalties that just are inexcusable, like lining up offsides, uh, you know, jumping off. You know, it's not that yeah. hard to watch the ball. You know, it's the it's uh, team had his moments. Right, right, and so that's um, that's something I'll have to think about a little more because I think in general the culture of this team last year was phenomenal. This idea of club dub, this idea of um, you know they're having fun with each other they're having fun in practice you know and winning's fun like and so when you don't win those things become right. how annoying is this right but when you're winning it's like hey look at how much fun he's having i think this guy is creating a good culture along with ryan pace bringing in guys that fit that culture and that to the point where i think people want to come and play for this team right and so i think that i think building a culture is part of what a coach does now in terms of decision-making, he should have taken this team out to London early. He should have taken this team out to Denver early and played practice in altitude so that he wasn't going to wear that down that team. They won that game, I understand, but they almost did not uh, against a team that's that's not should not be in the same class as the Bears. Again, uh, the, the London game, I really do think they came out flat, and I think that was a lot of just not being there as long as the Raiders, who were ready to go. Uh, there's been some weird in-game management that is does have shades of Andy Reid, and so you hope that as a sophomore coach, uh, you know he's still climbing up that learning curve, and he's going to take those lessons to heart. And in the future, he's going to make better decisions either in the off-season where you're planning on how to travel with your team, or in-game management where you're making better decisions on whether or not to kick the ball, whether or not to go to fourth down, you know. And yes, he does not have his third and short, fourth and short play package figured out this year. It's just not, it's not there. And so that's a play calling thing. And there's some questions for head coach. I don't know why I'm giving him so much slack, but I just think for a first time head coach, you should know what you're getting into. And you know that the 
learning curve is is a pretty steep one and you hope that you see that guy learn but you have to be happy with a lot of the culture things that he's brought to Chicago because this seems like a much more fun team to play for than it was under John Fox. Oh yeah. I mean, let me let me just make it clear, Jeff. I was intentionally hard on him because I wanted to see if I could push the needle a little bit because like you're talking about. I mean, this is the same coach who took over for a John Fox team and immediately went 12 and 4. And yeah, they lost to the playoffs, but that was way way better than we thought they would be in 2018. I know I certainly didn't have them at 12 and 4 to start the season when uh when we were making predictions, that's for sure. Um but this year, there's there's a reason, therefore, that I use the phrase asking questions when it comes to Matt Nagy. It's because a game like this took me from, I think I think he's a good coach in that he's learning, to I guess I really don't know. And I mean that in the most earnest way I can. That's not a euphemism for I think he's bad. That's a, that is me deliberately and directly saying that I don't think the quarterback he's working with is uh, helping him out. I don't think a lot of the guys on his team are executing on his vision. But who's to say that he's teaching that vision well? Who's to say that some of these execution things aren't are or aren't just bad player or players making bad plays? I really don't know. And 10 games is just not enough of a sample size, in my opinion, to really dissect and know one way or another, especially when you open that up to the 17-game sample size that we had the year before. Now it's a 2017-game sample size. And, I mean, you know, he looks like a good coach in quite a few of them. So I think it's impossible to know for sure right now, but it's certainly something that I want to see going forward because in the games where I thought – we clearly had an understanding of exactly who Trubisky was, and those were the Philly game, for instance. I thought it was going to be pretty clear to everybody that Trubisky was struggling, yet Trubisky seemed to be the one who got the majority of the game plan, and that first half, as I'm sure you would agree, was just abysmal. This game, I would have expected Trubisky to, or I would have expected him to try to run the ball. He did, didn't work. Uh, from there, you have to put the game on Trubisky's shoulders. He kind of shouldered it for a little bit, but then the receivers didn't help him out. So you at or at some point maybe that bubbles up to the coach. I guess I just don't really know at this point. But uh, there is one name that I want to throw at you because let's let's see if we can get some lightning things because we're coming up on our time, Jeff, which is a bummer. But at the same time, it means you get to go to sleep soon. Uh, so, what did you think of Eddie Pinheiro tonight? Oh man, I've been so high on Eddie Pinheiro as you know from camp. I. <laughs> you know, off, off, you know, hey, it sounds good off his foot. And I think he's the guy um, I think I think he's he's struggled with that injury. I think you can tell that he's he's been kicking a little different. Um, he's not striking the ball as well. Uh, he certainly did not strike the ball well tonight. And it, it, it really showed he, you know, pulled the, was, he, that was a dead center spot. He pulled the first one to the left and then he pushed the next one to the right, overcompensating for the first kick. I'm not a kicking expert or anything like that, but um, he had the distance. You know, clearly he still has the leg, but he does not have it dialed in anymore. And you have to wonder if that's because of the injury and with kicking in the NFL, uh, high profile games when you miss two kicks like that, especially with a team that struggled, you worry about is this guy going to be on the roster the rest of the, the week the rest hey. of the year what, what is it you know uh unfortunately you just can't go out and find 
a lot of other kickers that are on the street right now that mm-hmm. are ready for to play games. And, you know, it's kind of like with quarterback in that, you know, you, you came in with this group of players. Uh, you're not really going to be able to improve your team with street free agents. And so this is just what you got going forward and you're not going anywhere. So you might as well just let him kick through it and see if he's going to be part of this plan uh, coming into 2020. So I just want to mention real quick though, Robert, uh, looking at these stats from the game and time of possession, the bears led 32 minutes to 27 minutes. Uh, bears only had two penalties for 25 yards to the Rams, six penalties for 34 yards. And as you mentioned, a lot of key penalties bears took three sacks, did not sack the Rams at all. Uh, but they did win the turnover battle two, two to one, uh, probably should have been three to one, maybe four to one ran 74 plays to the Rams 52. And so if you just look at those, you say, well, the bears won that game, but right. they lost by 10 and they weren't really <laughs> even in it, you know? And so that's, that's kind of crazy. And that most of the normal statistics that you look for in a game, you know, turnover ratios, uh, penalties, time of possession, things like that. Bears did well, and they still couldn't win. Even something silly like total plays. I mean, if you told me that the Bears ran 20 more plays than the other guy, well, then I'm pretty inclined to think that they've got more first downs, and that usually equates to more points. And it's funny, because to give my quick thoughts on Pinheiro, um, I, I don't know if it is a great coaching decision and look i'm being deliberately and intentionally hard on Matt Nagy here but so kicking for the 48 not a problem uh going for it immediately afterwards maybe not great because it shows your kicker that you're not invested in him but at the same time you're a professional at some point you got to make the decision that you think is best for the team then he gets another spot at a 40 something yarder i cannot remember the exact down uh, down in distance um besides the fact that i guess it's fourth down (laughs) haha But then uh, Pinero pushes it wide right, and oh my goodness, Jeff, could that have been any worse? Uh, I already know your answer. It's no, because he did miss both. But it's funny you said, because you said this, and I have to call you on it a little bit. You say you can't find a kicker like this uh, in the middle of the season. Well, the 49ers did. That's what's wild about this, Jeff. Did you see his uh, last kick, though? Did you see the one that sent them to overtime, though? Yeah, so but, it, then, it but then he like ways. just absolutely, <laughs> just absolutely had one of the worst kicks I've ever seen. Uh, in my life. Yeah, that was <laughs> totally true, completely fair. It's a bit slanted to say that he is somehow, you know, an amazing kicker. It just, it just really is a bummer that after all this fanfare, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's the injury thing. Reminds me of Cairo Santos. He, uh, he had a groin injury and he was truly never the same. Looked like a great kicker before the injury. Now. Oh, goodness, not so much. And so I'll give it to the injury. Uh, let's just be nice to him because the Chargers miss was obviously bad. Both of these misses, if the Bears have, if the Bears are sitting on 13 points instead of seven when it's 13 to 10, I don't know if that affects the game tremendously, but who knows? Maybe it does. But either way, not good. Uh, what, what would you say was the highlight of the game, in your opinion, player or thing? oh wow we've been going negative for half an hour uh basically just mourning the the bears season um so yeah positive interesting um you know this is gonna sound silly but uh i really enjoy watching cordell patterson as the gunner on 
uh, coverage. He is amazing. Even when they double team him, he splits it right away. He's super fast. He's right on uh, the punt returner almost every single play. Um, he's been an excellent special teamer. He's He takes the ball out of the back of the end zone on kick returns, and it drives me nuts. And then he's at the 26, at the 30, and you're like, oh. Okay, you know, he's going to break these every once in a while. He's a really good special teamer. I don't know that he's added that much to the offense, but I really enjoyed him on special teams, and tonight he was playing quite well because the Bears punted a lot. He's been a gem on those special teams. You're dead on. I mean, he has been – I thought Sherrick McManus and Ben Broniker were good gunners. Wow. He has been uh, just awesome. Uh, I, I've got a uh, I've got a positive on offense and a positive on defense. On defense, I thought Roquan Smith played a really good game today. Uh, he he has looked very very different than the player that we saw uh, you know in the games leading up to the Raiders game back when he was kind of having a bit of a dip. Uh, I don't know if he is playing amazing football like necessarily impact player football, but his interception that was him, right? Uh, I yes. didn't get a very great look at it. No, uh, that was him. Interception, huge play. Couldn't have come at a bigger time. Uh, he was all over the field on a couple of other plays. Obviously, I'd love to see him be blitzed more. Uh, obviously, I'd love to see him, you know, pump his numbers even more or even higher. But, hey, at some point, you got to tip your hat and say, hey, I'm just glad he has bounced back from where he was. On offense, I thought Tariq Cohen played a good football game. Uh, now you may have heard me ease off the word great there because there just weren't quite enough plays, but given that, you know, Tariq Cohn was matched up against one of the best coverage linebackers in football as Chris Collins was more than willing to tell us, I thought Tariq had his number. I mean, I don't want to give away all the stuff that I am working up for a video coming up about him very specifically, but most teams are using defense back to cover Tariq Cohen. The Rams did not. And I thought that they should have paid a much steeper price for it. Uh, it looked to me like on one of those balls that uh, Mitch Trubisky chose to throw back shoulder when Tariq Cohen obviously was looking deep. He did. Trubisky, by the way, seemed to do that again on a uh, Allen Robinson, Jalen Ramsey situation where Ro Robinson thought he had Ramsey deep. Uh, Trubisky threw it back shoulder. But it was the earlier one, I think mid-second quarter, just off the top of my head. But it looked to me as if Cohen beat his guy deep. And he didn't get the ball. If he did, I have no idea how far down the sidelines he goes. I don't know where the safeties were. They're out of the broadcast frame. But Cohen seemed to me like he was he was he looked like the Cohen of 2018, which was great because we haven't seen him often. And that makes me positive on him going into 2020. I'm, you know, I'm a big Tariq Cohen fan. I think you know that. So I, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people have been down on him, and I just I guess I've just ignored it. I know that he hasn't played <laughs> his best football, but I just like, like, yeah, it's true. Cold. I'm, I've been more judging him on the body of work uh, that he's brought into this year and not just, not just this season. So I'm, I agree with you. He played well, but I've, I kind of just feel like that's who he is. And, and it's just a matter of the bears not putting him in a position to succeed. And it's not necessarily him not doing, you know, uh, not having big games. And yeah, I think you're right. I think Rokon might be back from whatever was ailing him. Uh, early in the year um, and hopefully he's ready to turn it on to be that elite inside linebacker and this was a good game for him and I do think it was a good game for Eddie Jackson he mm -hmm. looked like he was flashing he was having some fun he had that one tackle for loss in the backfield that was a very nice play from him very instinctive play 
Uh, and we need to get him going, you know, if, yeah. if you know, because he has not played, certainly has not played at an all pro level. And he, I don't think he's played at a, at a Pro Bowl level um, uh, this year. So we need to get him going if, if we're going to have a successful run in 2020. Uh, and so it was nice to see him have a, at least a little bit of an impact on the game. Oh, yeah. Had a strip sack early to, or sack, not a sack. He had a strip early too. Uh, I thought that was huge. Um, yeah. But one thing, or so we'll close with this, Jeff. And I've never done this with either me by myself or any guest uh, in the middle of a post-game podcast because the season has been about more than just, you know, what are we going to watch for? Because it was obvious we're going to watch for the Bears to win next week and hopefully get the Bears season back on track. But here we sit. We are five and five, or we are four, four and, and six. six. Uh, man, I wanted to be five and five so bad I told myself I was anyways. Uh, the Seahawks and the Vikings seem to be running away with the wild card. I cannot think of a destiny-born scenario where this Bears team somehow squeezes into the playoffs because I don't think they're winning six games straight. Just going to put it's that over. out there now. Yeah, um, it's over. With, with that in mind, Jeff, um, Hopefully I've given you enough time to think of an answer, but what do, what are you watching for in next week's game? Like where are your eyes and your thoughts going from here on out? Yeah, I think at this point you start to evaluate players to see uh, who you think can be part of the, the 2020 group. I think you see if you can play spoiler to some of these teams. The Bears play some good teams down the stretch. They play divisional games. They play one each. Uh, of their divisional opponents still. And so, you know, two of those teams are still in it. And one team has a really annoying fan base uh, that wears Honolulu blue and silver. And so you want to make sure that you have a nice Thanksgiving. And so you'd like to beat them on Thanksgiving. And the Vikings are probably uh, going to make the playoffs. The Packers are probably going to win the division or they're at least going to make the playoffs. But wouldn't it be nice if we could maybe spoil it for one of them or at least put a, another blemish on the record? I would love to at least beat Green Bay and allow the Vikings to maybe have a chance to win the division because I hate Green Bay much more than I hate the Vikings. So there's still things that you obviously want to root for. Um, but what I'm watching next week, which is against the Giants, which is a bad team, which is a game that you should expect to win uh, as a Bears fan. I just want to see who's going to line up under center with uh, with the first team. Is it going to be Mitchell Trubisky? Was this uh, was this late game benching something health related or was it really a performance thing where Nagy has turned off and uh, maybe this helps Mitch somehow uh, or or not. But um, I think we need to make sure that we know that Mitchell Trubisky is not the quarterback for 2020. And I think he's put enough game, enough film uh, together to prove that point. But um, I think the last six games might give you the opportunity to, if nothing else, evaluate that going into the offseason to know that you have to go invest likely in a veteran quarterback to bring in either by trade or by free agency to take the the reins of this offense um, and probably bring in a developmental guy. This quarterback room is going to look very different next year. That's, oh, yeah. I think, what I'm seeing. That's what I want to make sure that everybody else sees by the end of the year. So the first thing that I'm doing to just piggyback off of what you're saying uh, if I'm Matt Nagy, uh, I'm throwing him on the bench, and I'm either pulling in Javon Wims or Riley Ridley, and they're playing the rest of the season. Uh, I know that it might be ridiculous to say, we got to play the young guys, and like 
really lean into it, but that's what I think we got to do. And if Taylor Gabriel's not in the 2020 vision, then he's not playing on the 2019 team from here on out. I also think Matt Nagy needs to make a decision. I mean, whether it's Nagy or Pace, truth be told, I don't care. Uh, but one of them has to make a decision on whether they've seen enough from Trubisky or whether they need to see more. Because if they need to see more, first of all, I'd ask them, what are you looking for? Like, what have you seen? But, you know, take again, to take my facetiousness out of the equation. If you're done with Trubisky, then you play the quarterback that you think runs the offense better. It's not even about wins your games anymore. It's about runs the offense better. Because from every report I've heard, Jeff, and at least from what I've seen on the field, I don't know what you're seeing on the field, it looks as if Matt Nagy tries to get his offense around Trubisky, and I don't mean that as positive, because where Lamar Jackson in 2018 uh, was at the minimum an elite runner who seemed to struggle throwing the football, uh, and then obviously he grew into that role more in the 2019 season that's just seen him tear the league open. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky this season seems to be able to read the defense very well. Seems to take sacks still that he doesn't necessarily need to take. Uh, he seems to be inaccurate when he throws the football. And I can't imagine that for receivers like, I mean, even out there, from everybody from Allen Robinson down to Anthony Miller, even the guys like Ben Broniker or J.P. Holtz that are just looking for a chance, uh, David Montgomery, Tariq, anybody who has to catch the football. I have to think that a quarterback that may not find you if you're open, and when he does, he may not get you the ball where you want it, cannot be confidence building, nor will it help you have faith that the offense that you're running is positive. With that in mind, I think if you're going to make a quarterback move, you make it. I still would have made it after the game. I still don't think that that one series of Jace Daniel was worth it, in my opinion. But, hey, he's the coach. I'm not. Uh, But like you said, uh, if you think you need to see more from Trubisky, obviously you play him. If you think you don't, don't. Because if he's if he's not going to be the quarterback in 2020, which I'm with you, it doesn't look like he is, then he doesn't need to be. Uh, not in 2019. I don't know. The Bears don't have a lot of great options. They certainly don't have a whole lot of graceful-looking options. And I guess I'm curious to see where they go from here because this Giants game should be winnable. But, ah. Uh, I don't know, man. Our, this, our team is not looking good right now, and that's the nicest way I can put it. Yeah, uh, just for what it's worth, we are recording this right after, so we will, I'm sure, hear more of the story. Yes. What I'm seeing on Twitter as I'm thumbing through is that they are calling it a hip injury, and so for whatever that's worth, uh, you're saying that he injured his hip in the second quarter and then it just kept getting worse and worse as the game went on and that he finally agreed to come out or he came out because of the the hip. And so um, that's at least the angle that they're going to go with and we'll see what that means. We know that Chase Daniel is not the answer, right? No. I mean, we, we know that he's not the answer for 2019 and he's certainly not the answer for 2020 and beyond. So, um. I don't know, Robert. It's it's a rough one. I know we had a lot of uh, post uh, or sorry uh, preseason conversations about whether or not we thought you know Mitchell Trubisky was going to take the next step, and he has not. And so now most of next off season is going to be talking about who do we get to come into this quarterback room, and that's the reality. This team has to play out the string. Of course, there's six games left, but. Uh, that's uh, 
that's going to be the big the big topic is is how do you rebuild this quarterback room? Uh, how do you spend limited resources on doing so? Uh, you don't have a ton of cap room. You're not completely strapped. You don't have a first round draft pick. It's it's going to be a combination of things, and it's really going to try Ryan Pace. And I assume this is going to be Ryan Pace's last chance to build this team uh, is to get another quarterback. And so um, it'll be it'll be interesting. We'll always have something to talk about, Robert. <laughs> it's either going to be Pace's finest hour or it's going to be his final hour. Uh, let's put it that way, because he hasn't left himself with a bunch of other options. And before we close up, I do think it's important to just point out that the Trubisky injury angle, I mean, let's let's be really honest here, Bears fans. Uh, that, that could very well be true. It could not be. I'm not actually about to sit here. I was planning on it, but I wasn't about to sit or I can't sit here and earnestly say into this microphone that or that Mitchell Trubisky wasn't hurt. And this is definitely a performance benching because he looked better in that first quarter than he did throughout the rest of the game. He really did seem to get worse. And so if the injury was part of what uh, contributed to his deteriorating performance, well, actually that matches up with the play that we saw on the field. But at the same time, and I can already hear you thinking it, Jeff, if you are, uh, that there's almost no way, I think, that with a quarterback who has had his, uh, his confidence so taken care of all throughout this Bears season, that if they can pin it on an injury, even if it's a phantom injury that doesn't really exist, they're probably going to when they go to Chase Daniel. So if they shut Trubisky down for the season on an injury that, quote-unquote, isn't that bad, that's sort of your answer. We'll see. I mean, we, we're we just people on the internet. We don't know everything, uh, despite what you may think. But this, this whole quarterbacking situation is just going to be really, really interesting uh, as – as this season draws itself to a close. But anyways, Jeff, thank you so much for jumping on. I know it's late. I know we both got work in the morning, but it was great having you on. Thanks for having me, Robert. I really appreciate it, despite the circumstances. And Bears fans, that is all I have for you today. If you did listen this far, thank you so much for toughing out the technical difficulties. I know that's not the easiest thing to listen to, but I really appreciate it. If you did like this show, please be sure to rate it on whatever platform you're on, be that Spotify, iTunes, or whatever else. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, be sure to follow me at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. Or you can check out any of my Bears analytical work on YouTube. You can also find me at Windy City Gridiron as well as Jeff and he and his co-host EJ Snyder put out a podcast every single week called Bears Over Beers that is absolutely fabulous. You don't want to miss it so keep your eyes on the site for more great content. Thank you all so much and until next time, bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me.